Hey guys, it's Davin Sturdivant, and this is episode 22 of the Cart Pulse podcast. You remember over the last two weeks, we've been talking with Terrence Dove, who's a cart coach and the author of the book, Learn How to Master the Art of Cart Driving. Well, we had so much positive feedback from the first two uh, interviews that we took the time to answer some of the other questions that were put on the Cart Pulse forums um, that some members had some questions to. So this is a little bit more of an ad lib section where we just kind of went through some of the questions that we could answer in the time it left and we put it together in an episode. So let's jump into that. Actually, here's a question that I've actually always wanted to know. Um, so this is a question from Ted Hamilton. What difference is there in driving style to today's carts that were different from carts in like the 90s and early 2000s? Uh, like Formula A to Tag, for example. Like, do you drive them differently or do you drive them the same? Uh, the majority is um, narrow, smoothness is king. Oh, it's almost kind of imperative. Like, if everything is smoothness mm-hmm. with a slight. There's a little bit of room to be kind of putting the thing sideways on the way into a corner, not on the way out at all. Mm. Um, in the 90s, like as I've got a clip of Pantano at Lenato, mm-hmm. absolutely fully sideways and choking the engine on the way into a corner. And he Damn. threw the car one way, then the other. Mm. That was an acceptable and effective driving style at the time that today just doesn't happen you just don't do it so you could be yeah. more much more flamboyant there's some other footage of uh i can't remember the other, another guy in that era beggio i think racing in france formula a or formula yeah. super a just yeah. like giving it the full scandinavian flick and 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 backing the car into the corner at the Crazy. top top level and Crazy. you can't do that now you no. you can do it to no. overtake someone and maybe make make room putting the cart sideways or right. but it's not something that anybody fast who i can think of gets away with um there was a totally. bit of time with there's a driver called danny curl who moves the car a little bit more than other drivers He's exceptional. Mm. Um, there's another. Oh, I can't think of his name. Ah. But yeah, generally speaking, it's all smooth, 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 smooth steering inputs, carrying the braking as deep as you can into the corner, releasing brake yeah. pressure, exiting with hardly any slide. That's modern car. Modern it's time, very difficult yeah. to see from an untrained eye who is really, really effective and talented. You have to watch really close. Is it because the cart does so much work now? Because there's so much grip? And yeah, I think you know, the carts are heavier left. and maybe it must be, it could be the tyre construction might have changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense. I, yeah. but I think there's more uh, steering geometry is a bit more extreme now. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, um, so, so here's another question, actually, and I, I've heard this a lot because we have a, a large four-stroke. It's popular here now. Um, do you think there are really any differences between driving an extremely low horsepower cart to an extremely high horsepower one? Like, do they really transfer over as much as people say, or do you think that you just need more experience in one to really exploit one? And versus uh, it's a difficult one. 
because so my my natural inclination is to say the lower horsepower car you really need to look after um the power so you don't want to add drag so you want to use as little steering as possible to such a finite degree it becomes obsessive but that's true for two-stroke high-powered carts as well right yeah. so is there that much difference i if it's a four-stroke i tend not to see so much uh, brake locking i don't know maybe it's because right. of the the extra inertial mass in in the engine it doesn't like it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but i i think driving a car with when your priority is use the steering as little as you can would be that priority for four stroke if you're on low power low grip high grip it's the same as as anything else it's makes sense that totally makes sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. now i know you mentioned this in your book but i'm not gonna go look it up anymore um russell asks do you ever advocate using both pedals at the same time he calls it double pedaling yeah. Um, if so, when, and what are the advantages and disadvantages of doing right. that? So, yeah, I do. Um, the advantages are that you can, it, it kind of destabilizes a car a little bit less than if you lift. Sometimes. It's a very much a sometimes. It's like a little trick to have in your back pocket, ready for right. a special, special move. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> you know the the xxy xxy l on your keypad thing it's like yeah yeah exactly. i'm gonna bring yeah, out my power braking on you now but um that's what we i call it power braking double pedaling sure yeah. but yeah, yeah the downside is it can kill the brakes superheat the brakes it can overheat your engine in a totally unpredictable way um so if there's a corner where you just like a almost flat corner and you, you find that lifting kind of upsets the cart too much because it's quite hard to predict mm-hmm. what the cart will do when you lift. It's more mm-hmm. it's sometimes easier just to stay on the gas and kind of take a little speed away with the brake. Mm. It can feel different. And if it works yeah. for you, try it. It's not a common thing to do. Right, yeah. I mean, when, I remember when I first started karting, even when I did some coaching, I used to always tell people never to do it, right? Because it was always both feet in. Always yeah, and, it, and there were guys who, to stop drivers doing it, will run a cable attached to the front, to the pedals, through the bumper. Yeah. So that yeah. you, can, you can't use them both together. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. disagree with that because I think it's something you can play with. If you find an advantage, and sometimes there is, it's something to have in your back pocket, but you've got to be... Exploit that. Yeah. yeah. Use it really sparingly, though, because you yeah, might yeah, find that, that you kill sense. your brake or you kill... Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, you know, Felix asked this question, and this might be a, um, a setup question, so I'm going to tweak it. His question was, what are the best ways to get the inside rear wheel released during a corner? But there's a lot of setup yeah. involved to kind of make that happen. So I want to tweak it and ask, are there ways that the driver can move himself around to get that jacking effect if the cart won't do it? Well, I think now that tires are so grippy, uh, I kind of prefer drivers just to sit still. Mm-hmm. 
um, and maybe move their body weight according to their own sort of instinct. And, 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 and yeah. But if you want to lift a wheel, this is a complex thing because <laughs> you could yeah, is, you could yeah. be lifting a wheel enough and it'd be completely unobservable from the outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but running into a corner, trail braking can it, it puts the cart on its nose a little bit. So it pitches forward because you're braking. That does lift the rear of the cart. Mm-hmm. Introduce a little bit of steering and that can pop the wheel up. So if you carry in your braking deep into the corner, so long as you don't let the rear slide, as soon as the rear slides, it drops the inside wheel back down. Then you understeer. Yep. Yep. And so then it's up. Yeah. But if you can carry that braking into the corner, People would call it going in on your nose and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's simple. If you're braking, then the weight is on the front of the car. So it's more likely to yeah. lift that inside rear wheel yeah. when you start steering. Makes sense. So, yeah, just brake into the corner. That makes sense. All right. Uh, Tyler's got a question, and I don't know if you're going to answer this one, but I'm asking you anyway. Um, can you make a comfortable living solar... Ugh. Let's try that again. Can you make a comfortable living solely from driver coaching? I bet you can. Um, I can't prove it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, sure, yeah, yeah whatever, yeah, yeah. great, maybe. <laughs> oh, I'm sure if I can you do something. I say, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, obviously, but you know, do you want to? Do you really want to do that? Um, yeah. I I don't know if I can even make a comfortable living yet. I don't have a sure. comfortable living. What's I don't know what that is. What's a yeah, comfortable, comfortable. fifty thousand a year, yeah. hundred thousand a year? Yeah, 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 yeah. Be tough, but yeah, why not? Yeah, you could write a book that ultimate. everybody buys. Maybe Oops. a carding book <laughs> that people buy about car driving. Maybe. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So uh, there's a question here about the best ever class in carding, but I want to save that to last. So um, Chris asked, "What tips can you give us about making a really good start?" I've seen so many potential good results sacrificed by tentative starts. And I'm going to actually raise my hand and say that I am terrible at starting. So um, he's talking about rolling starts, but I don't really care. I think starts are starts. So um, what do you think about how do you make a good start? Um, You plan in advance to make a really good start. (laughs) So... (laughs) Plan not to suck. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, got you, it. Yeah, you, you, great. You figure out what are the nuts and bolts <laughs> of a really good start. And that's my um, angle on it is be the actor rather than the reactor in the situation, mm-hmm. um, which can get tricky when there's 15 guys who all have the same idea. I'm going to act first and make everybody else react to me. Um, yeah. But be that guy. Chances are you will be the only one. Um, and so that, that literally means know where you're going to go soon as go happens. Mm-hmm. Or even beforehand, positioning yourself, know what you plan to do, have a strategy, mm-hmm. make it your strategy. So I can't really give this is the right strategy because it has to fit the person. Right, fit where yeah, you are you might, where you, you start. You might be a guy who yeah. says, look, I, I just don't want to lose places on this start, man. So I'd say, okay, it's a little bit kind of conservative, but let's go with that. So how do you yeah. not lose places on the start? What are we going to do? Figure it out and and act accordingly. 
but don't be don't look for other people and react to them because that puts you a step behind and yeah. and that means someone else is controlling your destiny if you're watching cars right. so i'd something as simple as right as soon as i cross the line i want to get to the inside if someone's yep. on my inside i'm going to hold my position so that they can't move wide i'm going to make them uncomfortable i'm going to make yep. them feel my presence um if i am on the inside i'm going to stay on the inside yeah this is this stuff like that to know what you're going to do because when you know and you really know soon as the lights change or soon as you decide to go you do it you do what you planned to do other yeah. people can go whoa, whoa whoa and they can make an adjustment Back yeah up. If they adjust because of you, that's a victory. No, that makes sense. Actually, okay, so I have a personal question that is along the same lines of this. This is something that I struggle with all the time, ever since I started racing. Qualifying. Mm -hmm. Like, I do not know how to qualify well. Like, I have actually learned to race through fields because I always qualify poorly. And I've I've put together laps that were as fast as let's say the leader during the race, like once we get started. So I'm like, oh, I know I could do it. But when it comes to getting down to qualifying, I either leave too early or I leave too late or I don't get fired up. Like, How do you get a good qualifying lap out of someone? Because like, oh my God. Mm. And, okay, so there's, there's, there's another one where there's no silver bullet. Um, right. But if you want to get the best out of qualifying that you can on the day, it's another one where you need to know certain things. So... If you don't know which lap your tire switches on, then you're kind of irresponsible. If you expect to get a good qualifying lap, it means you haven't done your homework. So you need to know, and you probably need to practice, what tire pressure do I need to switch on these tires at the right time, the perfect time, to get the best lap possible? And then build a scenario around that. So let's say, for example, you've got tires that come on lap just from practicing mm-hmm. um, and you find like the optimum through practicing is to have the tire pressure set at X to bring the tires on lap four that's when the golden window is so then you build your qualifying scenario around that and I would say that means an out lap planned to heat up the tires mm-hmm. another lap to maybe drive fast kind of equalize the temperature of the tires around the cart mm-hmm. so that's two laps done you know the cart's going to be golden on lap four so lap mm-hmm. three becomes a kind of acclimatization i'm going to drive hard mm-hmm. or a banker yeah your banker lap could be yeah mm-hmm. so it's kind of less risk but decent lap time yep. then lap four i've got to hit all my marks everything i know about this track i'm going to hit every point you have to know those things so that's mm-hmm. you have to practice for that then like maybe yep. lap five you could do like a all in going all in on this yeah. lap. i'm gonna try some stuff yeah just throw it all in and maybe it'll be quicker yeah now okay. that plan might be effective but having a plan means you're focused so there isn't any mm-hmm. time otherwise drivers do go out and they just drive around and they have this dead time where they're just driving around and that isn't creating the mindset of focus so 
if you have a plan for almost like every corner leading up to your hot lap has a purpose you're focused yeah. all the way and you shouldn't drop that magic concentration it's there through yeah. that whole build-up that yeah. could give you the chance to build up your concentration and it could put pressure on your golden lap but you've got a banker and you've also got i'm, I'm gonna yeah. throw all in on lap five yeah 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 yeah. if you have that, that would be really that's really but that yeah, that also yeah, yeah. has like a kickback it means that there's a practice you have to do practice sessions yeah, for practice qualifying. qualifying yeah yep agreed agreed that makes total sense and i'm like i'm just saying that is like an epiphany for me because i've been doing it to be honest i've been doing it the former way for years where it's just i would go out and chase somebody basically and yeah chase them and that was a lot time i yeah. got and uh, but then i never felt like i had any control over what i where i qualified and so then i would just look at the paper and go yeah yeah well, there's a cool right, series in the states. Uh, one of the it's a rock vortex rock series. Yeah, and yeah, the rock they rock. would mm -hmm. solve this qualifying dilemma of people just getting in a tow, and they yeah. sent out the drivers um, in intervals, and they had two laps. That uh -huh. was really cool, especially for the yeah. the minis, because they're yeah. all about the tow. And the kid right. I was working with. Um, it was really good for him because trying to find a toe is kind of a random thing. I don't really yeah, think it's yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, I, I want to know yeah, who's the you. quickest kid around the lap, not yeah, who's yeah. luckiest. Yeah, quickest was help. Yeah. yeah, no, totally. And that really helps because like qualifying has always been an area that, you know, when you talk about confidence and you talk about the psychological aspect that I would get frustrated for yeah. before i get started like i'd have a good practice morning practice morning warm-up i'd be you know let's say in the top five on the timesheets so i'd be like all right we're gonna go kick ass here and then we go qualify and i'm like 15 yeah. and i'm like what it's kicking the teeth. where'd all this pay yeah. yeah just kicking the teeth and then i do it after enough, enough times that my brain would go okay well you just don't qualify well so go go qualify and then just race your way after that but then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy right yeah. and you qualify farther yeah. and farther and farther back because you're telling yourself you're not going to yeah. qualify and so then you know now i don't have a problem racing through a field but i'm always having to do that <laughs> so you've got that that's right? some of the language i put in the book is self-efficacy in terms of you know you can race through a pack so you have that confidence in that context mm -hmm. and it's the same thing you, you're moving your hands and your feet you're on a cart but in a yeah. in a different context, it's only kind of psychological. Yeah, yeah. It's called a qualifying session. You have this efficacy gap. We say I'm really not yeah. quite as good at this, and it's just the same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally. That's perfect. That's perfect. Let me flip through the rest of this list. See if there's anything else in here we really want to come. Um, hmm. I'm going to skip that one because that one's in your book, and people should read it. I'm going to skip that one, too, because I don't feel like it. Okay, here's actually a good one. It's the last one on the list. Um, this is from Brad. So the question was, when you finally decided that you wanted to write and publish your first book, uh, what made you decide that you wanted to do that? Was it always part of your plan, or is it just something that you recently felt like doing? Right, that's Brad Diaz. He's a cool mm -hmm. guy. Yep. Um, that's, that's a difficult one. I, I, I th It's a recent thing because I was doing the coaching thing for a long time and I started to feel like I wanted to devalue um, standard information that I was delivering mm. uh, because to me information is just information so um, 
general information. So the technique stuff that's in the book is obviously really valuable stuff. Um, but it can be explained in a book. You don't need to hire me or you can hire someone. Pretty much anyone can deliver that information. Um, because I wanted to transfer more towards working with a driver on themselves as a person. Um, so that was the first motivator to say, hey, I've got all this stuff in my head. It's just like bits of information. I want to transfer it onto something that everyone can have. Read it if they want. Totally. Uh, so totally. that's out. That's like done. Um, then hopefully that frees me up to work with drivers. It could be we could be talking about stuff that's in the book, but the target is mm-hmm. working on you. Right. Personally, yeah, what what, what how does things apply to you? So you've got the information. Now sense. we can, yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, that makes makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, last question I actually have is, you know, everyone talks about the greatest of all time, or like who's the favorite Carter, or like whatever else. Do you have any of those? Like, do you have that one guy when you're like, when I think of kart racing, I think of this guy. Like, I think of Pantano, or I think of yeah. whoever. Right? Do you have a guy that's like that's that's the guy? Right. I, well, I have. There's, <laughs> there's a few, mm-hmm. but of the drivers who I haven't worked with, um, who I would call like a consummate Carter, um, because he's a Carter, is Lammers mm-hmm. Bass Lammers. Yeah. I just like if if there's uh, if I need to provide an example of an absurdly smooth guy driving a machine that is incredibly difficult to control is I'll, I'll put a video of Lammers in front of someone mm. it, he's only done like two onboard clips that are worth watching right uh, yeah, there's yeah, one of him yeah. at Kirpen and there's another really short clip in a Praga now he makes driving a KZ KZ look <laughs> a piece of cake because he, he he steers the car mostly on weight transfer his timing is just sublime um, so as a Carter's Carter, I think he's like really, really sort of a special case. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's things like Verstappen's just like this kind of whirlwind. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. That just could blow everything away. Uh-huh. Um, maybe because of his genetics, his mum was really quick as well as his dad. Maybe his mum was as quicker than his dad in a cart. So mm-hmm. that's like this absurd okay. genetic, genetic. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 actually you know there's, there's one there's one question i skipped that was kind of when you brought up verstappen's mom um that we can bring up um it's from Dizonia carson i'm probably mispronouncing this person's name but the question was what do you think about coaches who don't like females in kart racing and simply ignore them or find ridiculous excuses not to work with them do you think that ignore girls should continue to fight to become racing drivers I, I'm going to tweak that question to say do you find any differences working with girls or women racers than you do working with men racers like do, do you find any stigmas attached or do you find any psychological things you have to work with or any struggles or oh, what, kind of what a difficult question man yeah. it's so easy to be able to say the wrong thing there oh I know right <laughs> There are the differences are right 
Um, well, first, just to address that question, if there's coaches out there who are refusing to work with female drivers, that's just hilarious. Uh, I, I find yeah. that like, what? <laughs> yeah. That's just yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. And if that becomes an extra motivating factor for a woman who wants to prove something, brilliant. Mm -hmm. Like, great. Yeah. If someone's handed yeah. you that extra motivator, be grateful go out and absolutely crush it brilliant yeah um he said one of the differences is um that i think there's a whole range of people in motorsport so there are families and drivers who if they get if they're having a bad day right i've seen this happen a few times because uh, i've coached with a few girls um if someone's having a bad day like a junior driver their dad would say whatever happens don't get beaten by the girl so that is a gender difference that a girl driver has to put up with that a right. male driver doesn't have to deal with yeah because nobody yeah. says you know we might have had a bad weekend but son don't let me down by getting beaten by that, that yeah it's Other just, guy. yeah yeah yeah, I get, I get where you're coming from. So yeah, that, it's a that, sticky wicket, but I get where you're coming from. It yeah. led to um, quite a few situations where a kid who wouldn't make an attack normally, who would be a defeated driver at the end of the day, mm -hmm. in front of my driver, who would be this particular girl who was fast, um, would make this suicide move on us mm. that wouldn't otherwise happen. So that's an extra mm -hmm. burden that a female mm. driver might have to deal with, depending on the enlightenment status of the opposition. <laughs> Which isn't fair. Yeah. I mean, it's and just I, plain not fair. No, it isn't fair. And I, and I laugh because I know where you're coming from, like not from the gender perspective, but I get it from the scenario yeah. where it's just like, you know, the fact that that even is factored in is frankly ridiculous, but you have to be aware of it too, because it gets in people's heads and they do stupid stuff because sometimes we're just stupid. Yeah. So yeah, I get that. I but it's get another, that. It's well, just and, another and I, angle. It's another thing that a, yeah. a driver can use to their own advantage, because if that kid's having a bad day in front, you yep. can, if you know that his dad's <laughs> of a certain attitude, yeah. you can, you can show him a nose and the kid will freak out, panic. Oh, no, now I'm going to get overtaken by this girl. Yeah. And he yeah. freaks out, loses his line, and you're gone. You defeated them. Yeah. Um, uh, there's another thing with female drivers that's interesting. I'd love to do some statistical analysis, but from my experience, a higher proportion of girls, considering how many compete, that a really, right. really high percentage do really well. Um, that's good and I, I don't know why hmm. you think maybe it's kind of to your earlier point if they enter with the stigma they're more motivated to do well yeah and it could, they could and have so that extra motivation they, or it could be because yeah. um, only the strong survive of the girls so yeah. that yeah. actually pushes the statistics ah that might be true too yeah yeah um, that might be like a yeah it might it might but the, yeah. I, it's it's just an observation that a high percentage of them do do really really yeah you know it's it's kind of funny because now i feel like i should go back to like saber cook or some of the other female drivers we've worked with on podcast before and ask them this question because it, it's 
not to apply to a, to a real world scenario, but it's sort of like when you have a bunch of men talking about women's health care. And you're like, well, we never really actually asked a woman what her viewpoint was, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I kind of want to yeah. know. Yeah, so I, th- I think actually I may well go back and do that to kind of tie these two things together, because now I'm kind of interested to see, you know, like, what their viewpoint on that would be. And uh, in another, um, just to throw some doubt on that point, yeah, I have yeah, yeah. known girls who have got a reputation as an absolute killer driver, mm-hmm. who, mm-hmm. if she beats your kid, you'd never dream of saying... And to make it worse, you got beaten by her because right. there's none of that. It's not even applicable because she's just right. Um, earned her stripes. Yeah. Um, and in terms of aggression what? as well, yeah. seen some really, really self-confident, aggressive female drivers. Well, it's like the saber, saber cook scenario, right? Like no one goes, oh, and to top it all off, I got beaten mm. by saber cook because she she kicks everyone's yeah. ass. So it's just like it's just like, of course you did, everyone did. Like, yeah. <laughs> all right. So yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. I totally get that. I totally get that. So that's episode twenty-two of the Cart Pulse podcast. I appreciate. Terrence volunteering his time to answer the remainder of the questions that we had in the thread. Um, We weren't able to get to all of them, but um, there's maybe another opportunity in the future. If you want to know more about some of the questions we asked, take a look at the thread that we have up in the forums at forums.cartpulse.com. More importantly, you need to get Terrence's book, which is on a link on Amazon, which I'll include in the description. It's so mega, every carter needs one. Otherwise, talk to you later. Bye, guys.